Welcome to Dad Meet World, a uh, Boy Meets World podcast where two dads deep dive into what is this life and uh, what is this world that we're living in. I am one of your uh, dads, Tyler. And I'm your other dad. I, uh, I stop myself before I say I'm your daddy, Brett. <laughs> yes, no, we're not your daddies. We're just a couple of dads uh, who love the show Boy Meets World. And we figured, hey, we like uh, talking about the show. We like talking to each other. Why don't we do both of those two things and record it? That's right. Brett, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well today. Things have been busy. I, uh, I got visited by the uh, code enforcement officer today, though. Oh, fun. Yeah, someone apparently, uh, our garage door got run into a little while back, and uh, apparently it's a code violation to have a broken garage door, and we've huh. been looking at getting it fixed. We just, it's been slow going, and apparently someone called and reported us rather than talk to us about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, times are different, you know, we don't have neighbors as close, you know, as we used to have them in the 90s. No, no one. Well, see, we, we're good. We're, we're very, you know, friendly with the neighbors on either side of us. And I've even, you know, gone across the street, busy street, but I've gone across the street and talked to the neighbors across the street a few times. But I'm pretty sure it was them that called. But uh, so, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, that's how things have been. Uh, what about you, Tyler? How have things been for you lately? Uh, things are going pretty good. Um, you know, trying to get the podcast going has been interesting. Uh, there's a part of me that's like, hey, I knew this is going to be taking time and whatnot to do it. But as I'm doing research for this, as we're going to find uh, in this episode, it took more time to find a simple answer <laughs> than I intended to. Um, but, you know, I had a good time looking it up anyway so it's not Excellent. like i didn't enjoy it um, i can't wait to find out what you did deep dives for us for yes. this week uh and also i have to say eventually t-ball is gonna end it has to i don't <laughs> understand my little league just keeps going and it's like just at some point we need to stop oh, <laughs> stop <man>. the madness <laughs> it will yes. someday someday uh, it will <laughs> yes hopefully next week that's, that's to my knowledge, it's supposed to be next week. It just can't come soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we got a good one for you tonight, don't we, Tyler? This is a good one. Um, you know, we're, we're diving right into the first season of Boy Meets World. Uh, we had two really solid episodes so far. Both of them, I think we agreed, uh, had a pretty high score as far as a grade is concerned. I'm curious to see what your grade is for this episode. Nah. Uh, we got some clips to go through. We got some deep dives and... We're just going to see what happens as we talk about it. All right. Well, just like the last two episodes, I've got our synopsis and uh, our technical information. So why don't we start off with that? Uh, we're Sounds gonna great. Dive right into episode three of the first season. Father knows less. Alan wakes Corey up late at night to watch the end of a baseball game. Corey fails a test the next day and Mr. Feeney won't let him retake it. This episode was written by April Kelly, directed by David Trainer. It premiered on October 8th, 1993, and it has an IMDb rating currently of 7.9. Thank you for that uh, awesome recap, Brett. We greatly appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, so we start the episode off. Uh, we got Corey and his dad, Alan, in the kitchen making uh, some sandwiches. Those they're making are some pretty massive sandwiches. Yeah, they're basically <laughs> taking like all of the meat in a package and just throwing a bunch of bread in it as well. And oh, yeah. uh, that's the sandwich they're making. And they're throwing uh, some chips in there. Uh, Alan's doing some regular chips, and Corey's throwing in some chocolate chips. Yeah, and I was, as I was watching this, I was. Uh, it's kind of sad for me, but I was I'm sitting in there and I'm watching and I'm I'm thinking this is very cliched manly lunch packing and a lot of people today would accuse Alan of teaching his Corey some toxic masculinity and traditional male yep. roles in yep. te in making this lunch and uh, well, I'm trying Corey to keep does him. say <laughs> uh, Corey does say come on mom 
man food. <laughs> yeah, and then you have the the Allen line of humor her. She washes your underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is yes. awesome, but you know I do mm-hmm. the bulk of the laundry at my house. So. <laughs> right, you know, uh, roles have changed over the course of time, and I'm sure I think we see even episodes where Al neither helps her do laundry or you know, is he's always ha- like he is doing stuff around the house. Like it's not like he just comes home and expects Amy to do everything. Oh, like, certainly, he's he's not. And like I said, it's just something that uh, I've I'm certainly. I, I I see it a lot today. I it's just something that mm-hmm. popped into my head, and well, whether whether you agree with it or not, it's just something that I saw in the back of my head mm-hmm. while I watched it. Not that I agree with it or not. It's just an observation. But anyway, yep. they're making their manly lunch and pouring their chips in because it feels a little light. Correct. Uh, now I will tell you that we've unlocked my first little little deep dive. Because a, a, a question came to me as I'm watching this. Mm. Um, when did we start making these ginormous sandwiches? You know, mm. like, what's the deal with that? Like, I think back to, like, uh, like Scooby-Doo, you know, like, he was always making these big sandwiches, he and Shaggy. You mm-hmm. know, like, what what, what started this? I think I know and where so you're going. And so, in my, in, in my tiny little bit of research, I was able to find the Dag... Dogwood, Dagwood, yeah, Dagwood sandwiches, uh, which is part of a comic strip from the 1930s. And for those of you youngsters out there that don't know, Dagwood would basically make these ginormous sandwiches, throwing anything and everything into it, and then would just eat it. Oh, so, yes. I remember the Blondie comic strip. Mm-hmm. Yep, part of the Blond- Blondie's comics, yep. Yep. So... I'm not going to go into deep every single one of these things like last time, but, you know, just give a little bit of extra little little snidbits, you know. So, hey, you can blame the 1930s, you know, pre-World War II, and we're going to learn more about World War II, you know. Oh, yes. In a little bit. Oh, yes. There's some good um, stuff coming. Oh, yes. So, yes, they're still making sandwiches. Um and we find out that Corey and Alan are going to go watch the Blue Angels uh, mm. make formations, and they're really excited. And it's something that they've done apparently on an annual basis, it looks like. Yeah. Good father-son uh, trip. Go uh, observe mm-hmm. the military-industrial complex hard at work. Yep. <laughs> and, of course, Morgan, uh, being adorable, decides that she would like to see some angels as well. And Corey, being a, you know, persnickety um, yeah, young lad. There it is. Thank you. Uh, basically says, you know, like, hey, that's not what this is. Like, we're going to go see, you know, menly uh, jets, you know, yeah, go do formations. Not that kind of angels. Right. Not that kind. Uh, then the doorbell rings. Uh, as uh, Amy is going to uh, answer the door. Uh, he okay, hears, I suck she, your neck. Yes. Thank you. Uh, she hears an interesting conversation going on. About, you know, hey, you can wear a turtleneck. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then Amy's kind of looking at him like, so I sucked a neck. <laughs> yeah, I was a little bit early on that sound clip. My apologies. Yeah, no, that's okay. <laughs> uh, you just, like, you know, that's very brash, for lack of better wording. <laughs> like, I can't even imagine saying that to my parents. Like, <laughs> yes, yeah, so what? I did that. What about it? Like... Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, I, I hesitate to think of what the comparison today, 30 years later, would be. Because <laughs> that was pretty big back then to to talk of hickeys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 90s TV shows are all filled with that, you know, even into the 2000s. You yeah, know, that, hickeys that, were always a big deal. That was deal. the big thing. I mean, that was that was big thing. You had the, th- the first base, second base, third base analogy, and you had hickeys. And... Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm afraid to to venture a guess as yes. to what the modern I, I, equivalent would be. <laughs> yes, I think you and I both are way too much aware of youth culture to even ponder that question right now. Oh, indeed. Yeah. Yes. Let's move on. <laughs> so yes, we meet uh, Leonard Spinelli. Leonard Spinelli, and I do have yes. a lot of information on him. Oh, do you? I do. He is played by actor Willie Garcon, who has a long history in Hollywood, 170 credits to his name as an actor. Wow. And he actually plays three different roles on Boy Meets World. 
He'll mm-hmm. show up as Leonard Spinelli one other time. He plays mm-hmm. Mervyn in Janitor Dad, and he is the minister who will eventually marry Cory and Topanga in season seven. Yep. He shows up once in Girl Meets World as Harrison Miller, and he has over 300 episodes of TV under his belt. Probably wow. best known for his roles in Sex and the City, White Collar, and NYPD Blue. Mm-hmm. I remember him on White Collar, and I really did uh, enjoy him on that show. Yeah, he's he's a very solid character actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, he has a running bit throughout this whole move or whole movie, whole TV show, <laughs> where uh, he basically goes, "Oh, hello, it's a." Uh, Leonard Spinelli, uh, I work for your father. I'm assistant management. And they're all like, yeah, we know. <laughs> Lenny, we've been through this. Uh-huh. Well, it's just like that, like, how unconfident uh, of is he of himself? That, like, every time he meets someone, he has to introduce himself. Indeed. <laughs> and, like, even, like, Eric's like, yeah, we work together. Like, just call me Eric. He's like, mm-hmm. that will make me too uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, this this guy is Eric's boss. I mean. <laughs> right. He's the he assistant manager. Eric. Eric is a bag uh-huh. boy at this guy's store. He's the assistant manager. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, I, I may be jumping the gun a little bit, but it does make me wonder of Alan's abilities as a manager if he has assistant manager that cannot deal with anything. Yeah, it does speak to Alan's uh, his managerial style that he has hired an assistant manager that is, seems to be this incompetent. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we'll, 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 we may explore that as we go on. Yeah. I mean, I will say, uh, you know, my father helped run a hardware store for many, many years. And it was not that uncommon that while we were doing stuff as a family, that he would get a phone call or just him watching TV and have to explain, okay, this is how you do something, you know, yada, yada, yada. But mm-hmm. no one was ever coming to our home, like, come with me now and we can avoid this disaster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can just imagine the effervescent customers or employees. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, anywho, uh, we learn that uh, there's a problem at the store and, uh, you know, it is Alan's day off and he's just like, you know, why can't you deal with this? Mm-hmm. Um, and he starts explaining, oh, yes, this is if we move quickly, I think we can contain this thing. <laughs> oh, the horror. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, the shelf that holds these up, it's not there anymore. <laughs> Yes. You know, I mean, it's not that unreasonable that it's like, hey, someone got hurt at the store, you know, and now we also have the produce all over the place. Like it's this is kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but this could be one of those deal th- times when it's like, OK, handle as best you can. Then let me know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and if you absolutely cannot get this fixed, then then you can come talk to me. Exactly. I mean, it's a significant uh-huh. problem, but it's something an assistant manager should be able to take care of. Mm-hmm. Yes, but Mr. Gonquin is still fizzing when I left. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so, you know, Alan decides that this is a big enough problem that he needs to go deal with it. And so he tells Corey, you know, I'll make it up to you later. Um, and it does intrigue me. Um, in this relationship, too, we're learning that, like, Excuse me. You know, Corey desperately wants to do things with his dad. Like, mm-hmm. it's almost like a, he is purposefully, like, trying to find ways to interact and do stuff with his dad. Where Eric is just in his own little bubble. So it's almost like, you know, Alan probably used to do this with Eric and Corey or Eric first. And then Eric just stopped having interest in doing things with his mm-hmm. dad like that, hanging out. And now it's Corey. Yeah, and you can see here in this episode, Corey and Alan's back and forth here. It really shows that Corey desires this quality of time, this relationship with Alan. And I wonder if that springs from uh, Corey's conversation with Amy uh, just a couple episodes ago where Corey kind of uh, left Alan in the dust where, you know, Mm -hmm. we, we explored 
the idea that, you know, just you grow apart as you get older. And, you know, Corey had the problem with Eric growing up and growing apart. And, you know, we've got the Eric doing the typical teenage thing where he doesn't want to hang out with dad anymore or just got What's different to things hang out with to his do. girlfriend. And suck a neck. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, maybe Corey has realized that and he really wants to continue uh, building into this relationship with dad. But either way, we've got Corey and Alan really committing to, to bonding here. And Alan yep. definitely wants it just as much as Corey. He just, you know, he's also trying to be a really good manager and uh, take care of his customers as well. Mm-hmm. All right, so we get to the next scene, and that is Alan waking up Corey in the dead of night, mm-hmm. uh, telling him that, hey, Phillies are playing on the West Coast. Schilling's got a uh, no-hitter going into the seventh. you want to come down and watch it? And he's like, uh, What are you, new here? Okay. Yes. <laughs> and so they're going to go run down there and uh, watch the game, and he's like, hey, you know, Eric, you want to go as well? I'm naked, and I'm taking a math test. And that's enough for Alan to know. Nope, it's just going to be me and Corey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so let's get let's talk about this scene a little bit, and then I can get into the no-hitter stuff, because I yeah. have plenty on that. Uh, so basically, they're downstairs, and they're, uh, they're making their sandwich again, because, of course, you know, you they, they may it. just be... Yeah, they may just be eating the sandwiches they already made, you know, and they're just finally mm-hmm. having them now. They looked a little thinner. Yes. <laughs> I wonder if Amy kind of went through and uh, took some away off of that. She uh, may have. Our initial you gotta, sandwiches. You got, we, we talked about how much, how, uh, how far $50 can stretch for groceries. You got to make it stretch a little further than those sandwiches yes. did. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I was just they're listening to the little, little bit of play-by-play, you know, and there may be the fly ball going over, but Dykstra gets it. Uh, so... No worries. No hitter still intact. And Corey's really happy. And he's just like, hey, dad, you know, thanks for waking me up. And he's just like, you're welcome. Don't tell your mother. <laughs> yeah, And I, so, do, uh, I do have a really great quote from this scene that I want to throw in here for us. Mm-hmm. Thanks for waking me up, dad. Hey, wouldn't be this much fun without you. Uh, don't tell mom. Mom's not in on this? No, no, no. This is kind of a guy secret. Voila. Father-son bonding. Your mother can never find out about this. Dad? Hmm? This was as good as watching those Navy planes any day. I love this scene so much. It's so uh, great. It's that, And mm-hmm. even that look that Corey just gives Alan on the couch after they yell about that fly ball. Their mouths mm-hmm. full of their sandwiches and just kind of gives them that smile, you know, mm-hmm. just thanks for this, Dad. You know, he really appreciates that Alan took the time to, to make up to him not being mm-hmm. able to go see the Blue Angels. Well, this uh, does lead me to my question that I had for this scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is a fun dad and son moment uh, that you had once upon a time? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I can answer first if you'd like. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Uh, while you're thinking, I'll tell you uh, mine. And uh, so my dad coached me for about three years in baseball. Uh, go figure. Uh, you know, Phillies, you know, baseball. And so it was kind of like the first time for me, uh, you know, when I was 10, 11, 12, where I would just have my dad to myself, um, you know, because being the middle child, it would always be me and my brother doing stuff with my dad. If we're going to go do guy stuff, you know, Um and then my sister would tag along this stuff. So it wasn't just, you know, my dad and I going to do stuff. It would be my sister would also tag along. Uh, but, you know, going to and from baseball games, even though it was just a five-minute drive, ten-minute drive, whatever, you know, it was just time that I just had with him. Um, and I would just be able to ask him things and talk to him about stuff. And, you know, I definitely remember as a ten-year-old being like, Dad, just let me pitch. Just let me pitch. Just give me one batter. Just one batter. I can't do that tie. One pitch. Just give me one pitch. And you know what? Doggone it. I got one pitch <laughs> at ten years old. I'm pretty sure it was a ball, but I was able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go back. I was gonna share about being able to sit on his lap and steer the car while we were driving. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, 
he used to bring me out to the car to teach me how to work on it, change the brakes, change the oil. And those were really great times where just me and him, uh, we were doing something that would, you know, we, we were manly, we were working on a car and mm -hmm. uh, uh, we were getting our hands dirty, but we also gave us a chance to do a little talk and it just, you know, we, we got to know each other a little bit. You know, what was going on in each other's heads and mm -hmm. uh, just really quality bonding time. Yeah. And well, I do that with my own son now, you know. Good. My, old, my oldest son how to change oil, how to, well, we have yet to change brakes, but uh, yeah, we definitely changed oil on both of our cars. Nice. Um. Yeah, I, I I always find that when we'd be like working on something was always a great time just to spend time together. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's just flashing in my head, which is why the only reason I'm going to bring this up right now. But um, when Reggie Bush was like a dominant running back, <laughs> we were watching the Notre Dame game. He and I in USC, we were in our shed working on a little hunting shanty. And I just remember being like, this is the best. You know, just me and my dad, we're working on this thing. We're distracted by football, you know, but we're just spending time together and doing mm -hmm. something manly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it's just those little moments that you don't always think about. And it's just, you know, when you see them, you have them. You're like, this is great. Yep. Indeed. So I think Corey is able to realize that. All right. You want to learn about some no hitters? Yes, please. Tell us about no hitters. All right. So first of all. In the history of all Major League Baseball, this includes all of the leagues. Um, so it's not just the MLB, but it's all of the um, assidiaries, assidiates. Affiliates? Oh, affiliates. Yes, thank you. There affiliates. we go. <laughs> uh, so like all of like the, like anytime there's been like a professional team, they can say like, yes, this is a professional league, you know, and then it just all got, it all just absorbed into the MLB records. That is a lot of baseball. <laughs> yes. So in all of that history, <laughs> stretching back over a hundred of years, we have a total of 317 official no hitters. Yes, this is the date of whenever I was looking into this and the uh, place, the website I was using. This is what it said. Has there How been one since then? How could you possibly then? know that? Right. So could there have been one since then? Maybe. Maybe it's 318 at this point. I don't know. I, I don't follow baseball like I used to. So, <laughs> um, But as far as the Phillies is concerned, I was looking at, you know, when did the Phillies have their last no hitter? Uh, and like mostly like in the 90s. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, so they had a pitcher named Terry Maholland, and he had a no hitter uh, August fifteenth, nineteen ninety, and they were playing San Francisco. Now, I looked and looked and looked and tried to find the potential specific game that they're referencing, and the key is they're not referencing an actual game. <laughs> <laughs> Because um, one of the things I was like, Kurt Schilling didn't play for them. He was a Boston pitcher, you know. And I was surprised to learn that, no, he actually played uh, in the 90s for the Phillies. Mm -hmm. uh, so he pitched for them from 92 to 2000. Then he kind of bounced around from a team or two and then finally got to the Red Sox when he had the famous uh, Bloody Sock game. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to know more about that, watch uh, Four Days in October. Excellent documentary if you're into baseball at all. <laughs> um, but as far as actual like no hitter is concerned, um, Kurt Schilling never came close to having a no hitter against LA. Uh, the only time it was remotely close was when he was pitching for a different team. So it was never with the Phillies. Um, and Lenny Dykstra and Kurt Schilling were both on the team at one point at the same time. Um, so I'm assuming it was just because those two were probably like the most popular players they knew of. Mm -hmm. nationally which is why they use them um but yeah not based on a real game and uh it's kind of disappointing so clearly boy meets world does not take place in our universe uh boy meets world i don't think takes place in any actual sane universe <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't think we've my gotten head, that far in the series yet. Well, <laughs> well my headcanon is I think Boy Meets World lives in a world either that's inhabited of Corey and uh, Eric and Augie, I think, at this point. <laughs> it's those three making sense of what this world is. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. Yeah. Maybe they live in an insane asylum. Maybe. <laughs> so yeah, that is the research I did on no hitters. I could have gone more into like specific no hitters, but I was just like, I just want to focus on the nineties. <laughs> I know that there have been other Philly pitchers that have had no hitters since then. I mean, they had, uh, I think it was in 2008. I want to say they had like four aces on their team and their pitching staff was very dominant for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Cliff Lee uh, was one of their pitchers at that time. And I remember I really enjoyed him. And then he went to the Phillies and I was very disappointed. But, you know, <laughs> I understand why he went there. So Corey is uh, having a hard time staying awake the next day of school. Yes. So this leads us into the next ep- our next part of the episode. Thank you very much. Suck up, future plumber. <laughs> so we get to uh, the school. The bell rings. And... Uh, Mr. Feeney saying, hey, everyone pass your tests in. And of course, Minkus is uh, going above and beyond. <laughs> this test did not everybody. require an essay. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then we find that Corey is sleeping. <laughs> and uh, Corey has only answered one question on this test. He answered A, and that was not the correct answer. Well, you answered one question out of 40 and got it wrong. So what grade do you think I'm going to give you? Can it be found at the beginning of the word fajita? Si, senor. I love so much uh, Bill Daniels, like, I'm going to commit to this little tiny bit (laughs) and just the F... It's just the way he delivers this is perfect. Si, senor. <laughs> like, and that's the thing I love about the character Feeney is he is very much has a high standard, but has no problem, you know, having a bit. <laughs> Indeed. He, he commits. <laughs> um, Yes, so then that's when Corey reveals that he was up late last night trying to watch the no-hitter, which frustrates uh, Feeney because, you know, it's a dumb uh, sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Feeney does not... He does not hold a high regard for for that type of an activity. He views that as a frivolous uh, pursuit, especially... Uh, when held up to education. And it's an interesting worldview perspective when contrasted to Allen's, and we'll see that play out. Yes, very much so. Um, I am now kicking myself because I had in mind to look up the 1993 uh, Nobel Peace Prize winners, and I did not. I spent too much time on the whole no hitter and did Kurt Schilling almost had one. Again, <laughs> I, the answer, no. I, I did note in reference to Minkus's uh, comment about staying up and how he's fresh as a daisy. I, I wrote down in my notes that Minkus is a knob. <laughs> nice. Why am I not seeing that? <laughs> That's annoying. <laughs> okay. Biophysics not showing me. All right, cool. Glad I know how to Google stuff. Well, all right. This is really good stuff right here. <laughs> Everyone's oh, oh, medicine. Okay. Nope. Not him. Cool. Like I spent so much time <laughs> looking up the stupid no-hitter stuff. I was driving myself crazy and I was driving my wife crazy. And nope. All right, I'm calling it. They made that up, too. Boy Meets World is a lie. Well, like it's like we said, it's not taking place in our universe. All right. So clearly they just, again, took famous names and put them in there. Now, I, uh, my solemn vow listeners, I will look up and see. I mean, maybe someone can tell me uh, that's also okay as well. But I'm going to try to see if I can find this better. Yes, if you know who actually won the... And interesting enough, this episode aired October 8th. 
do right. I, I I do not pay enough attention to the Nobel Prize. Are they announced in early October? I have no idea. I, I don't know. So, listeners, if you know, let us know when are the Nobel Prizes announced, and do you know who would have been announced in 1993? December. <laughs> clearly, Boy Meets World takes place in an entirely different universe. <laughs> Because no, maybe Minkus apparently has a time machine in his house. <laughs> no, I just look. I just typed in announcement ninety three December tenth. All right, clearly or, Minkus no. has. So yes, the award is maybe the award is in December. So when is it announced? I'm so confused. <laughs> Listeners, if you know better, if you've actually listened to it, let us know, because we clearly are not the type of people that are with Minkus. I'm sorry. We're just not. We're clearly Corey and Sean and not Minkus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fix a sink. All right. So Corey goes home and he's yes, talking Corey with Alan. <laughs> <laughs> he says, Dad, we blew it. Um, he's like, what are you talking about? And in front of Amy, he starts to say, well, I tried to explain to him that we are up late last night spending time together. And he was all like a baseball game. And Amy's looking at him like, um, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> um, so Amy's not happy. Um, and he's like, yeah, I'll go, I'll go fix it. I'll go talk to him about that. And I believe this is when she says, uh, you better, because if you don't, you're grounded. Uh, yes. Can she ground you? In certain ways. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't understand yes. that till I became a father and a yeah, husband. Yeah, <laughs> same here. When this aired first, I I wasn't quite there. I didn't quite understand it. Yeah. Yes. And if, found out later. If you don't understand that reference, um, ask us, uh, ask your parents later on, because uh, we don't want to tell you. Yeah, there you go. That's not our job. <laughs> Yes. Ask your real dad. Yes. It'll get much more complicated <laughs> when we start getting into these episodes that are a little more, uh, you know, uh, a little intimate. less friendly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we'll, maybe we'll talk about it then. Anywho, uh, so we have the first interaction. Uh, well, not actually the first interaction, but the first, like, big, like, back and forth of the fence, you know? Yeah. You got Alan on one side, Feeney on the other side. And clearly they're on different sides of the fence on the issue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do love that. So, you know, Alan's uh, like, hey, you know, we were trying to spend time together, you know, father and son, blah, blah, blah. You understand, right? And Feeney's like, yes, I understand. And he's like, great, so we can have a makeup. No. <laughs> I like, do you have a clip for this? Side? I do, or? actually, yes. Let okay. me play that for us. Look, I don't understand why you're making a federal case out of this. Maybe if you were entrusted with the education of 32 sixth graders every day, you would understand what I'm talking about. And maybe if you had a son and you were trying to find time to spend with him in between your job and fixing the car and insulating the attic, you'd understand what I'm talking about. But you don't have a son, George, so how could you understand? Well... We are obviously on opposite sides of the fence here. Yes, we are. Uh, this conversation is over. So uh, in my notes, I just say things get very personal uh, between the two of them. They do. Alan, Alan really gets in that jab about, you know, you don't have a son. And uh, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, we don't really know a lot about George's uh, personal life at this point. We know he's single because he was hitting on that teacher. We know he has yep. his, uh, uh, a sister. But mm -hmm. beyond that, and here we find out he doesn't have any, at least not a son. And we can kind of extrapolate from that that he doesn't have any children. So. Yeah, we, we, we learn a little bit here. And, and Alan, you know, he goes for the low blow. Yeah. Um, and it feels like it's one of those things that's like Alan has almost been wanting to say to him, you know, like, well, if Feeney ever pushes me, I'm going to say this. Mm -hmm. And you can just feel his regret the moment he says it. Indeed. And, and just doesn't know how to backtrack. 
Yeah. Because the damage is done. It's it's like a pitcher who throws a bad pitch and he knows as soon as he lets it go that he wants it back. Yep, exactly. And then the no-hitter's gone. Yep. Um, but I, I also will say that Corey starts rattling off dates of other no-hitters. Um, I didn't look into those at all whatsoever. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he starts rattling off these dates and you can kind of get the feeling that Feeney is annoyed because Corey is showing he can remember things that are important to him. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, why can't you remember my stuff? He's like, why would I fill my head with that garbage? Mm-hmm. And it shows it, it really drives home that point that I brought up earlier, that these are two clearly different worldviews in these houses that mm-hmm. as much as Alan and Amy are committed to uh, and they'll, they'll bring it up that uh, they respect and honor uh, Feeney in front of their kids and they, they do value education. They are allowing Corey to have his own life to a point. Mm-hmm. And they're allowing different priorities to take place within their home. And, you know, these worldviews are bound to clash. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and we lead back into the house where Corey says emphatically, Feeney's a butt. <laughs> Oh, and thus, yes. you know, Alan's like, hey, don't say that about your teacher. You know, he, he sends feet. him off. Yeah, she got feet. Feeny's a butt. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, you know, he walks away. And as you do, Feeny's you know, a as I. Butt. Yes, Feeny. <laughs> Alan says Feeny's a butt. Because, you know, like as a, as a parent, you do that. Like, mm-hmm. you don't want your kid to say the thing. You don't want them to hear it. But the moment you walk, they walk away, you go exactly the thing they said <laughs> yep oh yeah and, and i i respect that and he he defends george to Corey because he he sees that real honest and authentic and committed teachers are very important and very rare in this world and george is a good one he is and he sees that and he values that and he wants Corey to know that but at the same time you can be utterly frustrated and ticked off with someone and think they're a butt. Yep. Feeney's a butt. <laughs> well, then I love because, you know, the the two of them uh, start to get into a conversation um, mm-hmm. between between Alan and Amy. And I first of all, I love the fact that they're they're giving space in the show to have those two have this conversation. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of times in TV shows, it's either a couple is fighting and then they have to resolve that, or you know you don't see them kind of in a slight disagreement upon what how to how to move forward. You know, um, right. and so it's easy in most TV shows for the dad just to explode and to get angry, and for the mom to start getting emotional. Um, and so you can see that Alan is kind of internalizing the struggle right now he has. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows he's crossed the line. He knows that he's disappointing his son. He knows, you know, things aren't going the way he wants them to. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not doing what he needs to do. And, of course, he thinks his wife is going to look at him and go, the things you're thinking right now, exactly, you're right. Uh, so this leads me into a question, Brett. Mm-hmm. Have you uh, ever had a internalized uh, fight with your spouse? Oh, many, many times. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that's pretty. That's probably pretty common for a lot of husbands. That uh, it's honestly for me, it's a it's a pretty strong character flaw that uh, I, I tend to beat myself up. And I tend mm-hmm. to take myself pretty hard when I will make mistakes. I will overextend myself. I will, uh, uh, when I will uh, put myself in in Alan's shoes. When I will, um, when I will do things that uh, that have a negative effect, especially on others. Mm-hmm. Um, I will have those conversations in my head. I will, um, I will beat myself up. I will wallow in the negativity. And um, uh, my wife has more than once told me that uh, 
she kind of I kind of take the fun out of of it because I'm already punishing myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very similar to that as well. Uh, it's not that uncommon that after some sort of slight thing has happened in our household that I'll just look at her and be like, all right, fine. I'm sorry. I'm like, you're right. Like what? I'm like, I heard everything you said. I said it was all up here. You're right. I agree with you. And she goes, well, why don't you just like go through it? I'm like such and such and such. I'm being a jerk. I'm being insensitive. I'm the worst husband ever. Clearly you want to get rid of me, you know, yada, yada. You're right. (laughs) She's like, well, first of all, I think none of those things of you. And I think you're tired. (laughs) Um, And I love that because because in this moment, you know, he's going, you think or you think I'm a jerk because I kept my son up for half the night. Then I tried to weasel his teacher into giving him exception to the rule. And basically, like, you know, you think I'm, you know, a bad dad. Mm -hmm. She's like, no, that's not what I was thinking. Um. I just love she goes, you know, the forks go on the left. <laughs> <laughs> and she just kind of lets him, lets him work it out on his own and just lets him lead himself to the solution. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, she's like, you know, hey, I love you. You know, I know you want to spend more time with him. She's like, you know, you can't make him fit into life when it's convenient for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not fair to him. Uh, yeah. Just trying to get yourself off the hook. And he's a little too close that. to the problem and he needs that outside perspective and, and Amy's mm-hmm. right there and she's able to, to see and, and give him the the advice and the push that he needs. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the doorbell rings and we get another scene with Leonard Spinelli. <laughs> I wonder if Lenny, he tried to call this time. Because last time he last time the line was busy because Eric was uh, uh, conversing yes. with his paramour. I wonder if he tried to call this time. Well, you know, uh, call waiting is just pennies a day. <laughs> call waiting is such a dated reference to. Yes, it is. Now it is. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that's one of those '90s things. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> okay, so um, we then uh, we get we, we already talked about this a little bit about you know him trying to. Explain, you know, things, yada, yada. Uh, mm-hmm. And then <laughs> clearly Ellen and Amy are doing quite well now because they're making out in the uh, kitchen. Oh, my. <laughs> yes. Uh, quite, uh, quite uh, the, 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 not, not what he wanted uh, for <laughs> his uh, situation to uh, Alan Matthews nor Leonard Spinelli. Uh, I guess this will lead us into my next little bit of uh deep dive if you will yeah. i got curious um oh gosh did Sorry. you deep dive into rotisserie uh, chickens <laughs> no although uh <laughs> did i i guess i'll ask you since i'm now thinking about this did geneva have a rotisserie chicken whenever you were in college not that i remember oh they had it when i was there and it was quite mm. lovely all right, so I looked into what is an assistant manager? Because <laughs> I did think this was important of, you know, hey, what is this assistant manager supposed to do? And basically it's uh, to ensure uh, operational experience by ex- uh, excellence by performing managerial tasks such as scheduling, maintaining inventory, and or reevaluating employees' performance. Uh, regardless of the injury industry uh, they work in, which can vary greatly, he or she bridges a gap between upper management and the staff. So essentially, they're there to help the manager however they need help. To assist and, the manager. <laughs> yes, to assist the manager and, you know, be that person that's kind of sometimes between them, you know, just mm-hmm. in case something's not going right, you know. The assistant manager can be there to help and, you know, maybe explain something differently. There's still because I think like the assistant manager, for the most part, my understanding is like they're almost still part of the staff, but they're just not always a part of the staff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, they got a foot in both worlds. Yes. Uh, And I do love that Alan's trying to explain like. Uh, do you know what it means to be the assistant manager? <laughs> do you know why we have an assistant manager? 
How much of the store is left, Lenny? (laughs) (laughs) Stuff. Uh, then Corey comes down. Hey, you ready? And he's like, yep, I'm going to go play with my son. And that's when he goes, <laughs> Leonard's like, yep, and I'm going to go back there. and <laughs> To ensure oh. that we would never again uh, stock the, uh, what is it, lighter fluid next to the fluid. rotisserie chicken. The rotisserie chicken, yep. Make sure we never again put the lighter fluid next to the rotisserie chicken. Now, I would Are we say about that a fire this, was, this was possibly a very good call on Leonard's part. If there's a fire, the manager probably should show up. Yes. How much of the store is left? Still. <laughs> Uh, I, th- I think this was probably a good call on Alan's part. Yes. And, yeah. the, 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 the first problem with the uh, all of the Alka-Seltzer, no. The fire, yeah. yes. That's an insurance thing. Yes. Yeah. And the, the conversation uh, Alan has with Corey as he's walking out, I, I, I clipped that for us. Um, I, I thought that oh, was just fantastic. So here it is. Corey, your mother just said something to me that made a lot of sense. Don't you hate when she does that? (laughs) Yes, I do. She pointed out to me that I'm angry at the wrong guy about your test. Well, what other guy is there? Mr. Feeney's the one who failed me. No, I failed you. I didn't do my job. You're at the store all day. How could you say you're not doing your job? I didn't do my job as your father. What? Look. If it was up to me, you wouldn't have to go to sleep at all. You wouldn't have to go to school. I wouldn't have to go to work, and we could just spend all our time together, and there's nothing that I'd rather do. Then why don't we do that? I don't know. I guess the family's gotten used to eating. (laughs) Corey, I shouldn't have kept you up late last night. Mr. Feeney was right. I just thought that was uh, just a fantastic moment as they're walking out, because... It's not often that you get to see a parent admit to their children they're wrong. And that's that's something that that my wife and I have, have tried to commit to with our children, that we want to not try and play that game with our kids, that we're always right, that, uh, that we are infallible. We want our children to know that there are times where we're going to make mistakes and we're going to be wrong. They're going to find out anyway when they grow up. Um, Mm -hmm. But we want to be honest with them and we want to raise them to be willing and able to learn how to work with mistakes and to be able to forgive. And, uh, you know, Alan really does uh, really does model that here. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I echo that completely. You know, if I make a mistake, I do my best to tell my son, hey, I made a mistake. I did this thing and I'm sorry. Um, and I think it's just so huge for children to hear from um, the people that will influence them the most that it's OK to be wrong. It's OK to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, it's OK to apologize. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I love that because I think the initial intent of keeping him up a little bit to watch the game is not a bad thing. Maybe though having sandwiches and doing all the things that they were going to do anyway, maybe that was kind of crossing the line a little bit. And my assumption is, is that he probably stayed up a little bit way too long into the game. So um <laughs> You know, maybe in the eighth inning, ninth inning, you know, that's when you go get the kid, you know, but you just kind of get the feeling like he cores up a little too long and that's where the mistake came. Possibly. So he probably woke him up a little too early and then he was too excited and then couldn't go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes. And then we get into the next scene. Uh, which is Corey is messing around with his tennis racket and accidentally hits his ball into Mr. Feeney's yard. (laughs) Uh, He walks over there and, um, you know, he sees Mr. Feeney. Mr. Feeney sees him. And this only slightly bothered me (laughs) because (laughs) it's not like Feeney has a big yard. Mm -hmm. So, like, how Corey wouldn't have seen Mr. Feeney... (laughs) Is beyond me. 
I can buy it. I've known a lot of sixth graders who are completely oblivious to the world around them. All right, fair. I mean, I guess if Feeney was already sitting out there and he was just hanging out and Corey literally just got out there and maybe Feeney is behind a bush, mm-hmm. you know, and Corey just barely didn't see him. Yeah, and it's, it's darker out and Corey's not looking for him. That's true. That's true. We're in Corey's world, not Feeney's world. So, <laughs> all right, I'll give it to you. <laughs> yeah, I'll buy it. Um, yep. And Feeney invites him to a drink, and Corey sits down, and he thinks uh, he's getting one over. I love that mischievous grin when he pours what he assumes to be alcohol. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. It pours he a pours out the more. whole thing <laughs> and discovers apple juice <laughs> yeah and I, I love the openness that george has when he invites Corey to sit and share a drink with him it's it's really uh it really shows how much he cares about Corey, not just as one of his 32 students uh, but he's inviting him to sit and he shares a story about his childhood not just teaching him about magellan uh, yeah and that's i think what's so great about this episode is is we get a moment with Corey and his dad where his dad's basically saying I was wrong Feeney was right and now we get to where Feeney has reflected and he's sat on it and now he's trying to teach Corey about how he was wrong mm-hmm. um, and I love that he's he's trying to teach him about World War II but from the uh, perspective of a child you know, trying to relate it to where Corey is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love as he's he's starting to talk about the war. And he's only just describing it as, you know, the war with the rubber and how he can't. Um, war, uh, the war in Europe with a rubber shortage. So he can't get good shoes and he has to get ones that are from old tires. And, you know, like the way he's describing it is exciting. Mm hmm. It's, you know, it, it's getting Corey where he's at. It's, it's stuff he can relate to. Right. Which is, it does beg the question of why can't he do this in class? But then it's like, these are personal moments where, where Feeney is able to get personal with him. Mm-hmm. And he's such a staunch professional. He can't do that there in the mm-hmm. classroom. But he can do it in a one-on-one setting. Indeed. You know, and that's what I love about him. Um, so, you know, as he's describing this war, you know, you see Corey's getting interested. And then we learn that, uh, you know, Feeney finds out that uh, President Truman is going to give an announcement about the end of the war. Um, and he asks his dad, you know, hey, can I stay up with you and listen to the president announce or uh, talk? And his dad says no. Uh, so he's like, you know, hey, can I stay up with you and listen to the president talk? And he says no. And, uh, you know, so he says, hey, you got school tomorrow. You, so you better go home, get good rest, and then go to school. And Feeney's like, okay. And he's like, do you know what I learned that day? Corey says, no. And he's like, neither do I. Mm-hmm. Because all the other kids were talking about was staying up late with their dad and hearing about this. Or just, in general, talking about the end of the war. Um. And we learn that Feeney's dad just wanted to hang out with his drinking buddies mm-hmm. and didn't have time for his son. Indeed. Um, which is kind of heartbreaking when you think about it. It really is. And here we learn a little more about uh, Mr. Feeney and his family life. His, his own father he didn't have a great relationship with. And and it, it you see how it may have even motivated that uh, that interaction with Alan earlier where uh, he yearns for the relationship that he sees Alan and Corey have and there's there's pain there where he sees it at play and it reminds him of what he didn't have growing up exactly and I, th- I think that's why you know when those two started throwing, kind of throwing jabs towards one another Alan and Feeney it was personal because, you know, they're both unknowingly trying to recoup something potentially from both of their childhoods. 
Um, you know, I mean, as a father, I know for myself, I try to do things that my dad wasn't able to do with me. And it's not that he wasn't a good dad. It wasn't like he wasn't willing to give me anything I needed. But, you know, there's certain things that I just we didn't do together or he wasn't able to have time for to do with me. And I, I want to try to, uh, to to do those things with my son. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, there's always something that you're not doing right as a, a parent, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, you're going to fail somewhere. <laughs> yep. There's always going to be that that thing that slips through the cracks. Yes. And I love how Mr. Feeney wraps everything up with Corey and, and ties this nice mm-hmm. bow on it. And I, I clip that out for us here. You see, Mr. Matthews, education is not about obscure facts and little test scores. Education is about the overall effect of years of slow absorption, concepts, philosophies, approaches to problem solving. The whole process is so grand and all-encompassing that it really can't be threatened by the occasional late-night no-hitter. It is important that a boy spend time with his father. But how do you know that? Your dad didn't let you stay up with him. That's precisely why I do know. And so Corey is just utterly confused at this point because Alan and Feeney have both told him that the other one is right and that they are wrong. Mm-hmm. And his his father... And this teacher that he greatly respects have both told him they're wrong and the other one who said they're wrong is right. He's got to be just completely mm-hmm. just he doesn't know which way's up. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I do love that that Alan and, and George. Uh, oh, I shouldn't do that. Mr. Feeney. <laughs> yeah. The other reason why I said that, because that's what Alan calls him, is George, because, you know, he's clearly not his teacher. But oh, you know, yes. I, I love the fact that the two of them, they don't, for lack of a better word, they don't say I'm sorry to one another, but it's mm-hmm. almost like they can just tell, like, you know, hey, we we both know what happened. Yeah. It's that, that kind of knowing they both mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Right. It's that, yeah, it's I, that, that head shake that all men know. Right. That is very true. I do think we as men should be better about actually saying I'm sorry to others. Yes, I would agree. Uh, but there, there is a, a very much a silent respect of, you know, hey, I did wrong. Indeed. Yes. Um, um, but it's, and it's there. You know. it's, it's acknowledged. It's not said, but it is acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also much more cordial as well. So. Yes. Um, oh yes. Uh, I, 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 sorry, I guess to add to this as well, you know, Alan does try to say, Hey, you know, just so you know, I will try to get him to, to bed, uh, at night, you know, when he's got school tomorrow and, you know, Feeney's like, Hey, you know, if you ever need to, you know, keep him up a little bit to spend time with him. I understand. <laughs> yep. Um, so, um, or for no, absolutely no reason at all. Yeah. I love that as well. And then uh, Corey ends up having a conversation with his mom where he's just like, you know, hey, one says they're wrong. The other one says they're <laughs> wrong. Who's who's wrong? And she's just like, well, no one's wrong. It's just how they're two. The both of them are processing this mm-hmm. two very different ways of understanding the world. He's like, why am I always wrong? <laughs> because you're yes. 11. <laughs> yes. Well, I do love that, uh, you know, uh, Alan does come back and he says, hey, you know, there's still uh, Phillies are still out west, you know. And he goes, yep. Uh, don't worry. If anything happens in the game, I'm going to tell you all about it tomorrow. Yep. Alan learned his lesson. Yep. And he may not be grounded anymore. Yes, I do. Talk can get him anywhere. I do love that. Am I still grounded? We can talk about it. Hey, talk. I can get anywhere. He's not coming back tonight. (laughs) Either Corey's figured it out or he just knows that he's done for the night. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, there's a chance he's known long enough that, hey, if the two of them are walking away talking to each other canoodily like... 
you know, something, something's going to happen. They're going to go hug aggressively. Yes. It's going to go do the taxes. <laughs> yeah. Whatever <laughs> other nineties, uh, euphemisms we can throw in there. He, yes. Well, <laughs> that is an episode right there. That is father knows less. Yes. yes. So, uh, what, uh, what's the lesson from Mr. Feeney for you? You are worth every inch of that C plus I gave you in math. Brett, what I've learned this week is that uh, sometimes you can be both right and wrong at the same time. Um, and I do like that Alan was trying, you know, to have a moment with his son. And ultimately, it just it, it's like it went too far. Mm-hmm. And, and I think sometimes we as, as fathers are trying to figure out where is the line, you know, to be able to have a moment with my kid, but also, you know, still be an authoritative figure. Um, and I, I think I just I really appreciated in this that it's like he did the right thing, but also did the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's it's so often that. You know, life is not as black and white as we tend to think of it. It truly is in this gray zone of how are our actions impacting the people that we love. And I learned that there needs to be balance when parenting your son or really any of your children. Um, you know, education is important, but so is spending time with your kids and building into them. And it's just as important to recognize when you're yanking their schedule around to match up with your own and what damage that could be doing uh, to them, whether it's at a personal level or, you know, maybe at an educational level that that's going to have some impact on them. So every week we give a grade uh, to each episode. And uh, Brett, what grade would you give uh, this episode of Boy Meets World? Father knows less. Well, I give Father Knows Less an A+. Mm-hmm. This is a very solid episode from beginning to end. Uh, it's a very great episode for Alan, for George, and for Corey. Uh, they all learn so much from it, and we get to learn so much about each one from them. And, uh, you know, we come out of it learning uh, a lot for ourselves as well. So, A+, all around. Yeah, what about I, you? I- I agree with that grading. In fact, I probably would give a solid A plus as well. Um, maybe not a hundred percent, but you know, I think it's in that just barely A plus average. Um, you do. <laughs> thank you. It, you know, it really was such a solid episode. Like I, I was thinking about it because the last couple uh, gradings I gave, you know, maybe were a little higher than maybe I should have. But in the moment, I thought, you know, I'm confident in, in this grade I'm giving. But gosh, this episode is so much better than both of those combined. Like this is, <laughs> in my opinion, this is the first real like solid, just straight up amazing episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Like this is the top tier of episodes so far. Yeah, it's it's definitely in in the top half of my episodes. If yeah. and we'll find out at the end of the series when we you know put everything together where this falls. But it's always been a favorite of mine. Yep, yeah, that's one of mine as well. So it's I mean it's definitely one I would come back to just to watch the episode itself. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Well, Tyler, I believe you owe me a dad joke. I do. I do. I do. I do. I'm going to be quite honest with you. I forgot all about the dad joke. Um, so I'm racking, Tyler's a butt. I'm currently racking my brain trying to find one. <sighs> I need the Jeopardy theme song on the soundboard. I did the uh, exercising one last time, didn't I? I think so. I think so, too. (laughs) Suck up, future plumber. All right, I like this one. Oh, All right. Go back. All righty. I got a dad joke for you. You ready? I'm ready. 
What do you call a fake noodle? Uh, okay. I think I know this one, but I'm going to let you answer. What do you call a fake noodle? An impasta. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this has officially been Dad's Meat World. Uh, I am one of your dads, Tyler. And I'm your other dad, Brett. So uh, you can find us online at, uh, well, you can email us at dadsmeatworld at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And you can find us uh, anywhere you get your podcast. You can find me online on social media at Dr. Headley Art. Uh, that's on Twitter and Instagram. Tyler, where can we find you online? Well, you can find me on uh, Twitter, uh, Tyler Volk. Um, I am working on getting us a uh, Twitter account for the official podcast. Uh, it just didn't happen this week, uh, but we will have one. Guarantee it. Uh, <laughs> probably by the time you're listening to it, we will have one officially launched. Uh, we'll probably put it down below so you know where to find it. And we've got a Facebook page, right? We do have a Facebook page, yes. If you go to Facebook page, uh, Daz Meat World, uh, you will find us. Excellent. All right. So uh, I'll see you next week. Good looking. And also to you. Good looking. Dad's out. Find Dad's Meat World on Facebook, Twitter, and probably a few other places just by searching for Dad's Meat World. Dad's Meat World is a production of Head First Studios. Head First Studios, tell your story. Mm-hmm.